0: does have it all all of our pre-owned vehicles are hubler q certified which include a 128 point vehicle inspection a free
1: carfax vehicle history report and two warranties a two-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000 mile comprehensive warranty visit any of our 13
0: locations today or click drivehubler.com
2: has it all.
0: it's kevin inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan eight o'clock hour underway in indianapolis technically speaking the eight o'clock hour is underway everywhere in the eastern time zone good morning to you my name is jake query mark dykton is filling in for kevin bowen who is on vacation sam fritz who you hear on wibc news as well as helps coordinate the music that you hear for the fireworks shows on independence day joins us on the big board this morning now joining us on the payless stickers hotline i wanted to get on the program. Because not only is Jim Reamer the founder of Courtside Indiana, which is essentially a player evaluation service for Division One coaches, but in that capacity amongst others kind of has an idea of players throughout central Indiana where they may be most comfortable at the collegiate level and also um, what kind of player they are. And there are plenty of big-time talent players here in central Indiana at the moment. Flory Badunga yesterday, the center out of Kokomo, Announced that his schools now, he's got it down to four. He is widely considered a top five recruit in the country. He's down to Auburn, Michigan, Kansas, and Duke. Jim Reimer, I'm going to begin by asking you this question. Am I an old guy yelling at clouds when I say that in 2023, especially in the summer months, I don't necessarily consider a kid's announcement of his final four schools to be truly the final four schools In other words, I still think it's possible that an Indiana or somebody else can jump into the fray. Uh, Am I out of my mind?
3: It just depends. First of all, thanks for having me on, and and I assume you can hear me okay. Um, It it just depends on how disciplined his recruiting process was. Um, If his, in this case, host family and school coach, of course in his school coach's case, John, Peck and Paul went through it as a player. He went through it as a college assistant and college head coach. Um, he, above all, understands the process from, from a few different angles. I think in Flory's case, he, his final four is probably his final four. Um, I know he has communicated with, uh, with the other schools and told them that he is not interested in them anymore. So he has handled that end of it professionally. I, I do think that's the right way to handle things. Not just use your list via social media as the apparatus to to tell the schools you're not going to. Now I don't know that he told every school that was interested in him, but he certainly told um, a, a few of the schools that were pursuing him heavily. Um, the, the ones that he felt like he had a relationship with, but. But, yeah, I would say in his case, it, it is his final four. And I, I can't speak for other situations like kids from out of state because as much as I think I might know about kids in Indiana, I know zero about kids that are out of state. Um, so I don't, I don't know about that situation. But I would say we, we very rarely had a situation where a kid has whittled it down to a smaller list and then committed outside that list, if there is one I have completely blanked it out well i
0: thought it was interesting jim and i don't remember where i read this so my apologies but i saw somewhere that said that you know the reason i ask it is because i do think that floyd bedunga's case to me is interesting because am i an expert you know i've not even seen him play other than on television so i'm openly admitting my naivete to a great extent but initially, you know, I believe the, the the family, the host family where he came over had a connection to Cincinnati. So people thought Cincinnati was sure. certainly like a slam dunk. They're not even in his last four. Then for a while yeah. there, it was like, no, Purdue is like, he's got, he's, well, they're not in the last four. And then I saw an article that said he does still plan to visit Indiana one more time. Well, that, unless he has yeah, that, friends that go to uh, school that, there, right?
3: That's been, I believe that trip has been especially canceled.
0: Okay. Okay, see, that's because that's what I was curious about, you know. And then the other thing that that I was curious about that you would know so much now of NIL, name, image, likeness, the money that can come with that for a Flory Badunga or, you know, a big time five star recruit. Absolutely understandable. That is big time in play. Are we seeing that becoming a factor in recruiting with a further and further and further depth of net? In other words, at one time, you know, maybe it was the top twenty-five players in the country that that was a big issue with. Then it was like, well, now it's top fifty. Is it now the case, Jim? Or are we into the arena now where essentially any kid that is of Division One level, in some way, shape, or form, that NIL conversation is taking place?
3: I don't think it's just the Division One level. I, I think it has to be. First of all, I'm not. I was always an advocate that your scholarship was a, was a huge value. And, and and I got the kids that I coached that have moved on to play divisional basketball uh, from the summer from the summer teams that i coached, they were all getting stipends above and beyond their cost of attendance, so they were getting paid. The, the question was was it was it considered fair? Was it limiting their ability to earn money? And and we could you know that's a whole different topic of discussion. So, but my my point so my point is that I wasn't this guy that that thought NIL was, this was was necessary. And, but I have liked the stories I have liked the way much of it has been handled. I I do think it has been abused, at least per its intent. Uh, But at the same time, the NCAA is a somewhat feckless organization. So I'm not sure what they can do about it in the short run, but to answer your question, even at lower levels, NAIA, Division 2, I, I think it, it, it still has to be a question of what's, of what's available and what's there. And is there a way for a school to address it? And, and I'm not going to name the school or the kid, but there is an naia level school. And we have very good NAIA schools in this state. The, the lack of Division two programs in Indiana, there's only two. The, the NI it has moved a ton of talent to the NAI schools, and they are very, very competitive across the country. And but in the recruitment of one of our guys, we just asked the question: Is, is there are there NIL opportunities for him? Because he had Division two schools recruiting him, he had low Division one schools recruiting him, and it, it just was a question across the board. Their answer was: Yeah, we we will work with kids to foster those relationships. Now to the level that you might be thinking of and to the level that most people care about, where you're reading about stuff in the papers, you know, such as what went on with Nigel Pack and how that was blasted out to the public. Um, it, It definitely has become a wider base because I think families and I, and I'm not saying I'm immune to it from a coaching perspective, but families and the people in their lives that are part of their recruiting process, have you know read things on social media and think well why can't we get that too if that was a long-winded answer to answer your question
2: courtside indiana's jim reamer joining us on the payless liquors hotline jim how, so you kind of went into it a little bit more but maybe expand a little more how has nil affected high school recruiting in a positive and a negative light from what you've witnessed
3: uh high school recruiting in terms of well it's made situations like overtime elite popular it's it's um but at the same time, because now they can go to that program and earn NIL money, you know they can step outside of, say, the ICSA, for example. They could go to, like, the Lalu Mare in La Porte, and they can go to other prep schools and possibly earn NIL money there. Um, and, and how that works with the NCAA rules for prospects is something I have to read up more on. Um, Illinois has been in the situation where they have, I think they have allowed their athletes to have or, or they're starting to get to the point where in, athletes can have NIL opportunities. I think Indiana, there's some back-channel discussions about how that's going to happen here, if at all. But, of course, they, they've not announced anything on that. It's just coming through some of the athletics directors across the state um, that those discussions are being had. Um, but, from a, but from a high school basketball standpoint, right now it's, it's not allowed at the high school level in Indiana. Um, so you, you get situations where, you know, maybe you know, Cannon Catchings starts to look elsewhere because he can get it a little bit earlier. Um, but then you look at an opportunity like Bedungo, who's turned away these opportunities. I'm almost certain he's turned away these opportunities because he, he's going to really – you know, focus on high school basketball, winning a state championship, winning Mr. Basketball, perhaps—not uh, perhaps, but likely—and and then going to college and and reaping those benefits once he
2: gets there. Speaking of Badunga, just to circle back, uh, since he did narrow mm-hmm. it down to Auburn, Duke, Kansas, and Michigan. Of those four schools, in your opinion, who would be the vet, best fit and why for her for his uh, athletic ability?
3: I mean. I don't know. The guys that have come out of Duke have not been very good defensively. So if I was him, I would look to go play for Bruce Pearl, Devin Auburn, um, because I think those guys have come out and, and have been very good defensively. And I think at a higher level, he is going to be defense-first player. Um, it, it's funny because Bruce Pearl also I think has season tickets to Kokomo games. Um, he, I don't know. I've been to. I went to four or five Kokomo games last year. He was at three of them. Um, to me. Playing for Pearl would probably be his best fit from a coaching perspective. Um, I, I, I think Self has, does a really great job with Biggs, um, but then again, that's just a pretty narrow point of view. I don't know what they've told him, either. Pro, any of those programs have told him about how, he, how he'll be used, um, what, what their focus point will be on his development, um, and you know other factors that might enter
0: in his into his decision. Jim, one of the things that has given me pause probably where I where I realize that I'm probably just outdated is I, I remember vividly, and I think that we all have, and I probably do this more than anybody, I think we all have an ability or a tendency is a better word to, through nostalgia, over-inflate in our minds the way things used to be. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it was the greatest ever. And it's like, well, was it really? I, you go back and you look at it and you go, really? That's how many people were there? It seemed like there were more. But I do recall in 1987, for example, I was going to be a freshman in high school. And in the summer after my eighth grade year, my dad managed to get tickets to the Indiana All-Star game against Kentucky at Market Square. All five Marion starters were on that team. That was a big deal. Rick Fox was there. That was a big deal. Um, But at any rate, it felt like, and part of this is probably because I was an eighth grader. But it felt like that was the toughest ticket to get in town, and there were 17,000 people there, and that every kid on that floor, Lyndon Jones, Jay Edwards, you know, to wear a jersey that said Indiana on it was a big deal. And it feels to me like the representation of the high school that you attend and the representation of the state that that high school is in has been diluted a little bit, and I'm not saying in a bad way, but just the reality of the fact that kids are now playing – 30 to 60 games in the summertime in various states across the country in national tournaments, and they are now more recognized and identifiable based on their AAU program than their December through March or October through March high school basketball program. Am I totally off base here?
3: Well, I think it's two parts. I I think the All-Star game has obviously has taken a big hit in terms of prestige. I I think the players – for the most part, love the opportunity. Um, they, but I, and I think some of that is because, you know, the AAU is more expansive. So you, you play a lot more in the off season uh, in an organized, in, a, in structured ways than you used to. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, um, but then you also play with a lot of guys from other schools. So it's no longer a novelty to, to play in that situation. Also, Colleges now are getting kids sometimes as early as late May into their programs. And that puts a lot of extra uh, time commitments and some instant strain on kids to get back and forth. Uh, KJ Walton, for example, a kid that I coached 2015 drove back and forth from Columbia, Missouri to make it work. And, you know, that's through multiple days of practice. Through the you know the, the junior all-star game stuff, and he went back and forth, and it wasn't an easy process for him. And that was eight years ago, so I, I got to imagine it, it hasn't changed um, for these guys because the commitment level to college is 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 almost instant as soon as your school's school year is over. I think from a state level, I think obviously there is so much more basketball away. From your high school, I'm sorry, from a high school level, so much more basketball that gets recognition away from your high school team that it does have a separate identity. I don't think it diminishes the most, the most, their loyalty or their commitment level or their ties to their school teams. Um, again, that might be hard to argue when you got guys that leave for prep schools. Um, again, that could be a separate question. Um, as to why or, or if I think that's a necessary evil. Um, but I know by the end of the summers, kids are looking to get back to their school teams. They're looking to get back to their, their friends that they grew up with. They're looking to get back. And I don't mean their friends in the community. I mean their friends on the team and working with them and working out with them. And then by the end of the school year, school season, State tournament aside, they they start chatting more with their N.U. buddies. I, I think it's cyclical in that regard, but I don't think these guys have lost the love for their school team. Um, but it, it is more noticeable. There is more information out there when they're away from the school team, and I think that can drive. Well, if, if you were to ask, to think that way.
0: if you were to ask Jim, and there's no way to know this answer probably, but let's just say that you were to survey 100 kids that are right. that are big time players, right? And you were to ask them, you can – a genie is able to give you the perfect game. Would you rather that perfect game come while you're wearing a high school jersey or while you're wearing an AAU jersey? In which game is it more important to you to have that perfect moment? It feels to me like more kids, and I understand it because of the spotlight and the, the platform they're on. But I think more kids would say they would rather have the perfect game in an AAU setting than in a high school gym. I think they'd better win a state championship.
3: Think most so? Yeah, I do. I do. Because that's what they work for. These, these are the guys – look, the AAU stuff is good. It has its place. I think we, we practice more than most, and even at that, it's once a week, uh, especially when we
0: start – Well, let me ask games. you this. Wh- which is Which does more for a kid? Which would have done more for a kid? Did did Romeo Langford's name, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not asking this rhetorically. I don't know the answer. Was Romeo Langford's name and profile more escalated by what he did in the Indiana high school basketball tournament, or what he was able to do against other competition in AAU? Oh,
3: high school! I mean, he was the Pied Piper man. He was almost he was Damon Bailey level. He was he was not quite people wrapped around the building to get in. Damon Bailey. But he was, every gym was full when he played Damon Bailey. I mean, he was that, he was the Pied Piper in that regard. He was what, he was effectively what people did to go watch Odin and Conway. Right. Again, they weren't wrapped around the building three times over if they were for Bailey. Well, and
0: I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm meaning more like for his recruiting profile. And maybe the answer is still the Um, same.
3: Yeah. Well, look, I, look, I'm one of those guys that thinks that. In a great situation, AAU and school teams work in harmony for, during the recruiting process. I think there is a lot of recognition that comes from AAU from playing in, in large events in front of a lot of college coaches because college coaches get a little bit more uh, direct, um, you know, visual evaluation of a kid in the summer because they can see dozens of kids at a time versus maybe one or two. Well, you're also seeing.
0: High school game. Am I correct, Jim, in saying like? A, a kid that's a dynamic point guard, okay, like the number you know, a, a kid that is a national level point guard, playing an AAU tournament, a big time AAU tournament against another national level point guard, probably gives you a better idea than it does when you when he's watching when you're watching him in a high school game and he's playing against a team that there it's the point guard that happens to be the best one at another school twenty miles away. Uh, you know what I mean? You, you get a there's a better so there's a better criteria probably of evaluating. A guy in big time moments, uh, just naturally speaking, in a national tournament of national level players, right?
3: I, I think there, it depends on where they're from. If they're if they're playing here in Central Indiana, that answer a lot of times is no, because there's another dude sitting across from him who's going to challenge him just the same. Um, but yeah, I, I think college coaches value the high school experience extremely much greater than people think. I think they value the input of the high school coach. Um, you know, especially in, especially in situations where it's it's, it's good. You know, Indiana, we're, it's high school basketball matters. In some states, it then, may not. Then
0: why is, why is Catchings leaving?
3: Well, those are individual family decisions. Um, I, I don't think he needs to leave. I don't think he needs to leave Brownsburg to get what he's looking for other than NIL money. I don't. And they might, you know, they would probably say, you know, they disagree, and that's fine. But Cannon Catchings to say that this is better for him to prepare for Purdue, I just disagree because it's there have been a lot of players from this part of the state, a lot of those teams are on Cannon's schedule that have gone on to play big time college basketball and made it to the NBA. So, um, I those are individual decisions that we some of people can either agree or disagree with, and I don't. They probably don't care. Who agrees or disagrees with them? Um, I don't know why he left, other than what they expressed in their the article with Med with Kyle Medripp. Uh
0: Lastly, Jim, let me ask you this: uh, aside from Flori Badunga, give me the I don't know. Let's say three to five best players in the area.
3: Well, Jalen Harrison for one, and that's from our from our point of view. He's the best prospect in the state, regardless of class or grade, regardless of uh, of size. Um, from the areas, Xavier Robinson at Mullins North, Desmond Briscoe at Christmas Addicts, Braylon Mullins at Greenfield Central. Those are all juniors. Senior-wise, it's not as plentiful, but, but but buff, certainly, with Evan Hayward. Uh, he's a great watch. Uh, Ron Rutland is going to be with, with Desmond Briscoe at Addicts. K.J. Wyndham at, uh, at, at Ben Davis is certainly going to be on that list. Uh, to stretch out. You know, you might want to go watch Brownstown Central. Uh, Jack Bender going to Purdue. I know they play at Carmel. So if, you, if you're if you living in the area and you want to watch him play, you can get to the game when they come up here to Carmel. Uh, Kellen Pickett at Fort Wayne Blackhawk is a favorite of ours, a 6'8 forward. And Trent Sisley, of course, is making his own headlines down at Heritage Hills. Again, those are dudes that, you know, you expand out if you want
0: to go watch them play. He's you know, the, right the Heritage Hills the kid. That's Santa Claus, Indiana, right? That's Ken Dilger and Jay Cutler school. Yeah. He is yeah. what yeah. year? He's really, he's a junior. Because he's one that, like, I heard on the map when he was, like, in eighth grade. He, he had, like, right. almost Bailey-like hype when he was in eighth grade.
3: A little bit, yeah. Well, because his brother being good also helped because it, it was, from the very beginning, it was, yeah, Blake is good, but Trent is better. So we, we, we kind of knew about him when, hell, he was a sixth grader.
0: I knew about Blake when he was a freshman. Jim, I appreciate the time. Um, I'll meet yep. you for a pint sometime up in Carmel. I like the pint room. Is that cool with you?
3: Uh, we could go to Taylor's if you want. We could go a little closer to your neck of the woods if you
0: want. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have? You don't
3: got to. You don't got to come up to the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just saying. Plus, we shut, plus we shut it down like at 11, like 11 o'clock.
0: That's right. Well, I mean, like, so again, so people know, you and I have never met in person. We've only met on social media, and then when I called to yell at you, that's it. And then this, right? There was that. And then
3: there was hashtag that effing guy. Again.
0: <laughs> that's right. That was a text somebody sent to me. They're like, what is with this guy? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's get him on. But it's pretty good insight, and it's insight that, that goes far beyond my capability of being able to opine so i appreciate the time
3: it's uh, look it's it's yeah it's different when you're watching it when you're in the middle of it watching it from the inside out versus the outside in i mean i hear some of the things you say and you touch on some good points um the vast majority of the time and then every now and then i'll I'll shoot your tweet so it'd be good
0: so you can text me now see instead of tweeting me jim appreciate it man have a good tuesday All right, Jay, Thanks, guys, for having me on. All right, there you thanks, go.
2: Thanks, Jim. Jim Reamer on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Before we give out some more Indiana State Fair tickets, let's hit a morning check down.
0: You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So here's my question. Does that mean that Indiana has the highest number of, like, farm-raised ducks or just the highest duck population?
2: That's what I was curious about. Because the this
0: highest thing. duck population you would think is in, like, Minnesota, right? Yeah.
2: The, no, the, the sign didn't specify. just said the number one producer of duck in the United States is Indiana. Okay. I said, huh, he, he, interesting. Here's, here's another
0: duck question for you. You ready? Sure. Are mallards st- are mallards simply male ducks, or is it like a breed of duck? I believe it's a are breed. There, are there female mallards? Mallards are the blue-headed fellas, right? But can they also be gals that are mallards? Or are mallards
2: just male ducks? I just said, are there female mallard ducks? And Google shot back, Yes. They're so, more brown. The male ducks are more of the color, like green head and stuff. And the, So, mallards and just like a, are, are, a, are the, the mallards a breed? Mm hmm. Yeah. A medium sized waterfowl species that is slightly heavier than most other dabbling ducks. <laughs> What's a dabbling I duck? I don't know. <laughs> that's what like, Google. That's a duck
0: out. that comes over to a party and doesn't necessarily sit down for dinner. They just dabble yeah, here and there. Yeah,
2: well, I might try a little of this, try a little of that. Okay. We'll see. But heading over to the Payless Liquors hotline right now. He had a hell of a commute. I guess he's been stuck in New Jersey for a couple days, but he's back in Indy now. <laughs> Bob Kravitz joins us on the Payless Liquors hotline. Bob, how are you doing? And what the hell happened?
1: Oh, I'm exhausted, man. Uh, we we had a flight canceled on Saturday we had a, so we had to spend a night in a no-tell motel in Jersey city. And then, uh, our flight was canceled on Sunday. We finally got out yesterday afternoon. So it's been, it's been quite a, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the airlines right now, but.
0: Now you were start, coming from where Bob, if you don't mind me asking.
1: Uh, yeah, we were coming from Newark. We went down, we go down to the Jersey shore every summer and, uh, we got stuck in Newark, and no place you'd rather be stuck than Newark Airport and its uh, and its surroundings. So uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty uh, challenging couple of days. Okay, so here's
0: still. my question: availability might be the easy answer here. I've had it before, Bob. I was once in of all places, Ithaca where yeah. they canceled my flight, and it was the next day. Were, we were going to have to get on a bus and go to Syracuse and then fly through Chicago. And, and like, I got to that point. There, there's kind of a weird mental switch that happens in travel where one of two things happens. You either make the switch in your mind of, like, come hell or high water, I'm getting home, or you have the other switch, which is, you know what? There's not much I can do about this, so I guess I'm just going to soak in and see where the adventure takes me. Sounds like you went with the latter. But, yeah, well, we didn't have a choice. There was no cars. See, that's what I was going to say. Was renting a car was, not an option for you?
1: It was not, we, we, we tried every rental car at Newark Airport. We looked at LaGuardia. We looked at Kennedy. Um, there were no cars to be had because the entire East Coast was paralyzed by these uh, storms that rolled through, and they were pretty intense. So they're a little bit like what we had here uh, yesterday for a short period of time. And, yeah, there was no cars, no trains. No, no sled dogs, nothing. So we we decided we're going to go zen as best we can. Um, we would have had a cocktail, but uh, we made the mistake of actually doing that uh, our first day. We said let's let's have a glass of wine. So two drinks cost us forty three. Oh God, if you're, if you're in, in the, the airport, airport, yeah, they know in what they're the doing. <laughs> they ain't stupid. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I think this. I think getting home cost me about four thousand dollars. I have no idea. It's like they don't know I lost my job. <laughs> give 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 me a break. Does it have to get worse before it gets better? So, uh, uh, well, we, but we made it home. We're 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 good. We're good.
0: So, Bob, the interesting thing is this gives you great fodder, great material, right? Uh, to write about in addition to some of the topics we're going to ask you about. But yeah. uh, I want to make sure people are aware of this because when they think Bob Kravitz, they think writer. And when they think situations like getting stuck in a New Jersey airport, they think about like stories and you write stories yep. for a living. Uh, you're not done writing and people can still read the things that you write, correct? Y- yes, absolutely.
1: I'm, I'm starting uh, a Substack stack column, um, which is basically a self-published column Uh, The people, uh, I'm going to start writing this week. Um, It's uh, bobkravitz.substack.com. And, uh, you know, I should have something out starting Thursday. And I'm going to go back to doing what I used to do, which was write whatever the hell I want. Um, And, you know, this thing is going to evolve as we go along. But I'm going to write, you know, a ton of Colts, a ton of Pacers, a ton of IU and Purdue whatever else uh, crosses my mind. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope people will, you, you know, once w- once you go to bobkravitz.substack.com, you can subscribe. It's free for now. Um, but if you like what you read, eventually I'm going to make it a paid uh, situation, and people can uh, pay a small monthly sum to read my uh, my pearls of wisdom.
0: Bob, I think it's interesting – and we can parlay this into a Colts conversation, actually, but you and I mm-hmm. touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to, to, to kind of dive into this with you. Um, you now twice have been in this market, have been victim to job change, not at any fault of yours, but rather due to economics, right. which is kind of the reality of the world in general at different times, but in no way, shape, or form would it to the general public or anybody take away from the brand of Bob Kravitz, the writer, but yet even with that, and even with your accomplishments and your resume and the work that you've done. And as I have always said, without question, the most, the deepest Rolodex within Indianapolis sports media with that, there still comes that natural insecurity of what did I do wrong? Or did somebody know this before, you know, you you go back and you think, wait a minute, like when I had that conversation with somebody, did they know it and they were lying to me? Did they know what was happening? And there's right. just, there's so many avenues of a job loss that instantly takes you back to being a 12-year-old kid. Right. Um, and if and if it can happen to you, Bob, then I, I my point being people listening right now that are going through that, that wonder if there's something wrong with them, I wanted them to know, that there's not because it's a human emotion. But did you go Absolutely. through it this time as well?
1: Oh my god, you have no idea. This last month, you know, not to get too personal, but this last month has been really really difficult uh from an emotional standpoint cuz you're like, you know, you get you get run at WTHR, you get run at this place. You start, you know, and I th- I think that everybody in our position and maybe in a lot of other areas have you know. We, we suffer from imposter syndrome, you know. We wonder, you know, when will everybody figure out that I'm that I'm a phony, you know. I, I, I think we most a lot of people uh, have that, and so yeah, I, I I went through that. It's like, am I just no good? But you know, I, I I've I've come to, to a, a reckoning. Um, I, I'm I'm at peace with what I've done. I've had a hell of a run. I mean, for 41 years, uh, I've worked great jobs with great, uh, editors, uh, notwithstanding the athletic, um, but, uh, I, I, you know, it's scary cause I'm starting over, man. I'm 63 and I'm starting over and I'm, I'm asking, uh, people to, to pay a, a pittance to read my stuff. And I hope that they will. Uh, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk it up, of course, I've Right now, if you go to subs- bobkravitz.substack.com, which I'll mention about 100 more times in this conversation, there's nothing there yet, but there will be this week. So, you know, if, if you sign up um, for, you know, for the free subscription, um, you know, you'll, you'll see my stuff once it comes out. And hopefully the stuff is compelling enough and good enough that you'll want to uh, pay a few bucks. You know, the, it's basically a, a Guinness Stout, um, that that you're paying for monthly to read my stuff, so I hope that people will, but yeah, it's been a very difficult uh, emotional transition i I would be lying to you if I said that wasn't true.
0: I think the thing that was always hard for me, Bob, mm-hmm. is when I, I guess twofold and I think this again, I'm saying this not to feel sorry for me or for you, but to let people mm-hmm. that are listening that are accountants or or teachers or you know custodians, whatever it might be understand they're not alone in this journey when these these challenges come your way. To right. me it was always one of the things that was always hard was if it was a cost-cutting move my thought was always yeah but you didn't give me the opportunity to tell you what I'd be willing to work to to work with you on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. that's number 1 and then the other one is I think sometimes it happens, I don't think this was the case in your case, it, it happened to me once where you get like somebody leaves your place of employment so you get moved over to kind of help out in that capacity and then a year later it's well you're kind of miscast so we're going to move on well this wasn't the i was being the team player here yeah exactly i mean those things just man i'll tell you what it can absolutely eat at you if you let it
1: it it can and and it has a little bit i mean the, the thing with the athletic is i mean um, you know, we, when we when we started out, we had a guy, we had uh, Dustin Dopirak covering college hoops. I mean, how, you know, these days you got an Indiana vertical not covering college hoops. It's like being in Toronto and not covering hockey, you know, in, in my view. But we had somebody covering the Pacers. We had somebody covering college hoops. We had two guys on the Pacers, had me as a columnist. Now we're down to one guy covering covering the Colts and – um, you know, what they made very clear to me, and this is not a knock on Indy, but because we're a smaller market, um, they didn't feel like they were getting the, 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 kinds of, um, numbers that they need to, to be profitable. And that's the problem is the athletic is not yet profitable. They hope to be, and this is, these moves are meant to help them become profitable, um, so I guess I can't scream too long aloud. I mean my metrics, my metrics which is what you're you're uh, judged by were qu- quite good uh, considering the size of the market, but uh,
0: Did Bob still, the news yeah. that the New York Times is now using yeah. the Athletic basically as their sports page? People saw that and went and I mean this as no disrespect to The Athletic, who has fabulous writers and fab, – you know, I mean, but when that happened, I think there were a lot of people that thought, man, see The Athletic is on its way to world domination. But they already were partnered with The New York Times. Am I correct in right. that? Exactly, yeah. The uh, The Times bought The Athletic uh, maybe a year,
1: year ago. I, I don't know the exact time. But, uh, yeah, they bought them a year ago. So, you know, it's it's sad what's happening in our business. I mean, The L.A. Times – is uh, no longer going to cover games, uh, no more box scores, no more this, no more that. Um, the Athletic, when I was at the Athletic, they didn't want me to cover games, except unless they were Colts games or really huge games, NCAA, basketball, you know, Purdue or Indiana or whatever. But for the most part, I mean, if, if the Pacers were playing a game against the Clippers in, in uh, mid-November, um, they had no desire for me to go out there and cover it. And so that's something that I'm going to, uh, uh, this is going to be uh, back to the future. I'm going to go back to writing kind of the way I did at the start, you know, maybe a little more uh, bloggish type stuff, maybe a little more um, casual type of writing. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 um, the, the business has changed a lot. And look, I'm 63 there. There are it, it in some ways, in some ways, I, I've got to do a better job of staying up on things. I thank God I've got a daughter who's going to help me with my social media uh, on this uh, sub stack deal uh, until I figure it out myself. So uh, it, it's going to be an evolution. And I hope people will jump on board and um, and help me out. And, and I, I can guarantee you that they'll be happy with the product
0: so bob as we i remember when i worked in television at channel six you know 15 years ago and we're mm-hmm. out there in the month of may and we're working in the room and we're getting video of you know whatever it is the new chassis that penske brought out and we've got sound from kanan talking about whatever and the gm came in and said you know this is all great i'd like to see a little bit more stuff of of kids waving flags oh, and oh, i remember I thinking that that but that was like a foreshadow, right, into the right. the evolution and the winds of change in the way media covers events, like you're talking about, because of the ubiquitous nature of the way people can find things. Is right. Jonathan Taylor right now, is Jonathan Taylor sitting in his house feeling like the, the winds of the NFL is a league of, that wants to see more kids waving flags and he wants to do it the traditional way of sound bites and box scores? Is he becoming – antiquated in the NFL.
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, you the last time I, I think I saw this this morning, I, I may get the number wrong, but I think the last time uh a team won a Super Bowl with a with a um, top-rated running back or maybe in the number one run, you know, rushing leader was 1999. Yeah,
0: it was I mean, well it was Terrell Davis, right? He,
1: no, it wasn't Terrell. Um the oh, last, yeah, it might it might have it might have been Terrell. Might have, yeah, that's right. But you I,
0: know, somebody and, and I agree with that. Somebody pointed out to me the last passing yardage leader, though, was Kurt Warner, and I'm like, that's true. But but I think it's less about passing yardage and passing touchdowns. But still, right,
1: right, right. No, I, I, look, you know, he's he's a little bit. You know, Jonathan Taylor is a little bit like Zach Eadie, where Zach Eadie would have been a top draft choice twenty years ago. Twenty years ago jonathan taylor could could call out his number you know he, he he could he could get whatever he wants but you know i mean i just saw something on twitter i i think that you know it's on twitter it must be true right of uh, course kickers kickers make a higher salary per year than running backs in this league hmm. and look you know, I mean, Marlon. I don't blame the Colts. I mean, at this point, they've got the upper hand. Um, if he misses camp, camp or part of camp, big deal. I mean, it'd be nice to get him in there with with uh, Anthony Richardson. But it, you know, you remember when when uh, Edrin James sat out a good portion of camp, and all he did was have like a brilliant rookie year and got them to thirteen and three in uh, I think ninety nine. So. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's, um, he's in trouble as far as if he thinks he's going to get what he wants it, it isn't going to happen. And if I was the Colts, I would buy as much time as humanly possible. Keep in mind, this is a guy who ran a lot at Wisconsin. He had injuries last year. I'm not saying he's injury prone, but there's a lot of miles on those tires, man. And you, you don't know how long he's gonna last. You look at guys like Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson and people like that who've gotten big extensions and none of them have panned out. Right. So so that's just that's just the reality that these guys are totally disposable. I don't care how good they are, in in today's game running backs are disposable. They are a dime a dozen even when you're talking about someone with the talent I mean, level of a Jonathan Taylor.
0: It's it, Bob I'm the king of bad analogies I know and I'm not <laughs> pretending by any stretch of the imagination that Jonathan Taylor is a Honda Accord, which is a fabulous vehicle by the way. But yeah. if you have a Honda Accord with 150,000 miles on it, there's no sense in putting an extra $2,500 into the transmission when you can go to the used right. car lot and there are 50,000 Honda Accords with 20,000 miles on them for half the pro- you know for the for a decent price.
1: That's exactly right, and, and I mean you can make the case that for that one year he was a Maserati. I mean, no question, Tesla, whatever. But but you know how long is that going to last? You know, I, I mean, I saw now. Granted, Terrell Davis was was kind of a fluky injury that ended his career. It wasn't wear and tear. But these guys are so injury prone. I mean, look at Marlon Mack. He runs for over a thousand yards, and he's I don't even know where he is right now. But he, he's certainly not. Uh, Uh, a major uh, a major player in this league he's not he's not you know the number one running back for anybody so these guys whether they like it I mean don't let your kids grow up to be running backs I guess you know I the the money just isn't there Now, now the question is whether he'll sit out camp and I I think I think they just you know I think they let him sit you know and just you know, uh, I, I don't know if he'd be fine for missing camp. I don't know how that all works. But it, it's it, it's a tough situation. You, you'd like the, – the Colts don't have a lot going for him. And you don't want to to miss Jonathan Taylor during camp, especially with a new quarterback, you know, whoever plays. But that, that may be what happens. I mean, he's clearly upset. And clearly the whole running back to union is very upset.
2: That's what I noticed, Bob, is that there was a lot more vocalization on social media from all these running backs after yesterday's news that, you know, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, all on franchise tags. And you saw guys like Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry reaching out. Obviously, see Jonathan Taylor as well. Uh, So do you think that's kind of like a turning point that we're kind of seeing like, hey, running backs are going to start maybe. And again, I don't know what this is going to do. Contract-wise, but they're kind of showing their outcry. Like, hey, we're we're carrying the ball as much as the quarterbacks are at times, and yet we're going to get thrown to the side and and all that stuff. How do you see that playing out?
1: Well, I I think the way the game has changed not, I mean, nothing is going to change now that we are in a pass pass-first era and have been for for quite some time. Um, they, I, I I just think you know, running backs are. Like uh, writers in small markets, I mean, yeah. they're just they're just not going to get treated the way they want to get treated, and uh, uh, I, I think that Jonathan, you know, I, I worry that he's, you know, I mean, I, I look, he's a pro, he's going to do his thing. I have no doubt that when he does play, he'll be productive. But uh, you know, I mean, we 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 saw Kenny Moore get upset about his contract, and he had a terrible year mm-hmm. last year. Or a substandard year last year, so I don't know. It, it's 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 bad business, but i mean, it, it's bad business for the running backs, but it's good business for uh, for management. And you know, the uh, one argument you can make is that you know, let's get rid of the franchise tag. You know, with in, in the new CBA, um, that's that's one option. I um, mean, the the franchise tag was meant to, to uh, be to be related to quarterbacks, not running backs and everybody else. But it has been in other positions. Uh, management isn't stupid. They know where they can save money.
2: With that said, once we get through training camp, let's say the Colts have a get through the regular season, Jonathan Taylor puts up similar numbers to what he's put up in his career with the Indianapolis Colts. How do you see it ending with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor?
1: I think – I think well, how many times uh, – here's my question, and I don't know the answer to this because I haven't done the research yet, but I will. Um, you, I think you can put a guy on a franchise tag for, for uh, more than uh-huh. a year.
2: I think two. Um,
1: I, I think it's two. I, I think you buy yourself as much time as you can. Now, is he going to be pissed off? Yeah, of course mm-hmm. he's going to be pissed off. Uh, he may demand a trade. He may want this. He may want that. But, again, I look at Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and all these guys, and they don't last. I mean, they're uh, obsolete within three or four years. And that's just the reality of the situation. And, uh, you know, and the other thing, too, is, you know, the Colts have taken care of all their guys. I mean, you know, all the offensive linemen. um, They took care of uh, Shaq. Um, they've taken care of all kinds of guys, but they're not taking care of, uh, of Taylor and it's, it's nothing personal. It's just, he plays a position that's been devalued, um, very significantly in the last number of years,
0: by the way, the number of franchise tags you can place on a player is three, three. but, okay. but. It increases by 20%. The salary increases by 20% each time you do it beyond two. That's why beyond two you hardly ever hear about, right? Right, Um, right. You never do. Speaking of Shaquille Leonard, Bob, (sighs) listen, wonderful player. Wonderful, and and by all account, wonderful guy. Um, Fuels himself, I think, by living off of eating up the doubt, so to speak. Right. But been doing this a lot a while bob and you have too especially in this market and you know jim Mersey probably as well as any of us sometimes i think we try to read tea leaves and then realize that the answer was right there before us i'm not saying there's anything definitive with shaquille leonard other than this and that is that i don't think anybody knows am i off base there
1: no i don't think anybody knows and this this feels like andrew luck again to me It, it really does i mean um, you know, all this, you know, w- will he be ready? Is, is he going to Amsterdam for, <laughs> or wherever he went for his, uh, for his, uh, uh, for his health? Um, I just, I don't know when he's coming back. I don't think he knows when he's coming back. I don't think the Colts know when he's coming back. This is a very dire situation. And when he does come back, will he be the same? I mean, we saw him try to play a little bit last year, and it was painful to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I, and here's the thing, Bob, that's that's unfair for Shaquille Leonard's sake, and that is there's something about him that separates him from other linebackers, and that something that separates him is a combination of instinct but also motor that allows for that instinct to make plays, and -hmm. when that motor is anything but 100%, he kind of becomes just another linebacker. And I say that it really is a credit to that motor. But if that motor's yeah. not going 100%, then at that point you're you've got Zaire Franklin and and EJ Speed and and you're okay based on if that motor's not 100%. That's yeah. the challenge. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think
1: he'll always give what he's got to give you know uh, i have no, and and people saying that he doesn't want to play and he's this he's that it's, it's all garbage the guy is hurt, the guy is really hurt um but you know when he's gonna come back, you know we'll find out a lot more uh next week but uh this 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 could be an Andrew luck situation where we're we're thinking he'll be back in two weeks and three weeks and two months and three months and then never, and who knows you know and and you know i I, I I don't know what the next step is. I think you just wait and hope and, um, but what a shame. Cause he, he's a ring of ring of fame guy for the Colts. He's a hall of fame linebacker. If he plays several more years at a really high level, the the kind of level that he played at in his first couple of years. And it would be a damn shame if, if um, somehow he was not able to come back, but uh You know, I haven't lost faith. I think he's doing everything he could possibly do. I don't think he's, you know, um, he's jaking it by any any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, the Colts, I mean, they got some decent linebackers, as you mentioned with Speed and Franklin, but they need this guy because he's a game changer. He's the guy who gets you the football. Uh, Did you say jaking it, by the way? Yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? You ever hear
0: that? Uh, to become creepily obsessed with another person early on in a relationship. That's what that's the definition that I'm looking at here. Um, a person oh, who is wow. very caring, sweet, and loyal. Probably had a lot of drama in their life, but they deal with it pretty well. I, it's not uh, like you that. just described Jake uh, Query. I, I don't know what's going on here. Should I take this personally, Bob? I, I, I've always I've always thought that Jake Yeah, here's another great. one. To loaf or oh, yeah. stall, to refuse Thank to play you. because of a real or imagined injury
1: thank you. Okay. Thank you for finally getting to what I meant.
0: <laughs> I was going with the urban dictionary definition in the beginning, and I'd like to know what Jake it is that actually is responsible for that making its way to the interweb.
1: When I need it, when I need a word, I immediately look at the urban dictionary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Bob, lastly, I've decided since I've been to all 50 states, I've teased this on this program for like five years. Yep. I'm probably never actually going to do it, but I thought it'd be fun some point in, in the Jake query opinion to Jake it and to come up with my list of from 50 to 1 of the U.S. states. I've been to all 50 of them. So based on my experience, 50 to 1. I will offer this tease. I think New Jersey's number 50. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, yeah,
2: his ranking is going to be pretty biased. At this point. <laughs> well, but my, my he's ranking. gone to the Jersey Shore. I've
0: not done the Shore, and I
2: hear it's
1: fabulous. The Jersey Shore is fabulous. Um, now, Jersey City uh, and the Roadway Motel, um, not highly <laughs> recommended, uh, I believe that you pay by the hour um there was not a ceiling uh there was not a uh a mirror on the ceiling so that oh, that's was good. that's good that was, yeah. a little, that was a little surprising there weren't remember the magic fingers oh yeah in the bed the quarter many years ago yeah quarter it's probably probably 25 bucks now but uh no jersey jersey's great I, I you know i would i was telling my wife i can never live here again it's just too damn many people you know just too many people just too much too much traffic too much everything if i were to put for for my number one you know i mean i love indiana don't get me wrong but i love living in colorado
0: I was gonna, colorado's pretty hard to beat man i mean sun 360 be, I mean, 60 go, days a year uh,
1: yeah uh sunshine you go skiing you know we we used to go skiing and golfing on the same day in 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 denver we go up to the to the mountains and then come down. It would be 25 degrees warmer. We play golf. I mean, how can you beat that? Yeah. It's... So, you know, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about Colorado. But uh, I'm very happy I'm here. And uh, you know, uh, let's see, what would the worst state be? What would the worst? It I wouldn't know. be Jersey because my wife would kill me.
0: Uh, North Dakota. I, I personally enjoyed. There's a quaint nature of North Dakota that I enjoyed, but oh, I think yeah, most people would yeah. put North Dakota on the list.
1: been to South Dakota. But, uh, Sturgis,
0: South Dakota. The oh, yeah. bike Mount, Mount Rushmore.
1: Mount Rushmore, the bike. The Badlands.
0: Riding. The Badlands are awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I went, Well, we had a football player, and I, I know I'm going long. We had a football player named Gary Zimmerman in uh, Denver, and, and he was deciding whether to come back for another year or not, and he said he's going to go to the Sturgis. Uh, motorcycle rally um, to and, and kind of clear his head and make a decision what to do. So my editor, smart guy that he was, said, get in your car and go. So I go and here I am in my little Honda Civic <laughs> and my, wearing my khakis and and my polo and, you know, just looking like a regular guy, you know, Jewish guy from New York. Right. And I am surrounded by six foot four guys wearing leather and you know uh uh all, all
0: kinds. You, you look like the guy that <laughs> I, brought I'm your harley on a trailer place in my life yeah like that? i said you look like the guy that brought the harley on a trailer which is like the worst thing that you could do at Sturgis. they see your
1: trailer oh, you're in that, trouble right
2: yeah, okay
1: like well i'm glad i didn't do that i just brought my honda civic uh i i looked totally out of place there and it was it was abundantly obvious uh, by the reaction that I got. I, I I might as well have had two heads. I, I never did find Gary Zimmerman, but I got some great stories.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, every guy looked like Gary Zimmerman, right? Every um, guy was 6'4",
1: with a long ZZ top beard uh, and uh, long hair and everybody was playing dress-up for the weekend. It was, it was amazing. I, I met more anesthesiologists Play, You know, people in, with great jobs who were playing dress-up for the weekend. It was it was insane. I, I saw some things I don't think I'll ever get out of my head. Just convention
0: with, on uh, wheels, man. With, yeah, <laughs> oh,
1: it's just nuts. Yep. It's nuts.
0: Hey, Bob, give me the website one more time where people can start checking out your columns again. Sure, sure. It's
1: bobkravitz.substack.com. And I think I'll, I'll get going on Thursday. My, my daughter's got to help me, like – I'll do the writing and then she's got to tell me how to do everything else. Uh, it's funny cause I'm so bad with technology and computers as everybody who's ever worked with me knows all too well. And I'm, I'm embarking on this project now that's going to require me to learn something, but what the hell, you know, I'm not done yet. I still have, you know, stuff to say. I almost said a bad word. Uh, I still have st- stuff to say. And, uh, uh, I, I think it could be fun and I hope that uh people uh who've read me over the years uh will get on board and uh go for this ride with me because I plan to do it for a for a good long time. Uh I can't get fired unless I fire myself, so that's a good thing.
2: Appreciate the time, Bob. Always pulling for it and you we'll happy be happy to have you on in the future. So thank you for the time. No more trips to New Jersey for a little bit. Let's let's hold that's those right. off on those. That's
1: Never right. again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Bob, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All
1: right, see you guys. Bob Kravitz on the Payless slickers
2: Hotline.